You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with Cory Doctorow. His new novel is Walk Away. Thank you for joining me, Cory. Thank you very much, Rick. And I've also got John Scalzi here. His new novel is The Collapsing Empire. Thank you for joining me, John. Thank you for having me, Rick. Cory, John and I were just talking about a, a new personality type. It's it's not new. <laughs> no, it's, no, the personality type is new. I think the identification is new because I, a Stanford professor just wrote a book about it a couple years back. Um, south of sociopath, north of jerk. The asshole. <laughs> huh. And I think that that's a real personality type. And I think it's a, it's a kind of a personality disorder that is great to propel books. These people make great characters. There are some in your books. There are some in John's book. And I think that um, dealing with them, because for some reason, they don't always go down to the bottom. Sometimes they go up. How does that happen? So maybe you've got the causal arrow pointing in the wrong direction. Mm. You know, it is often the case that when you uh, scrutinize people who have set out to do extraordinary things, that um, they are uh, atypical in more ways than ambition. Mm-hmm. That they often are also also have atypical responses to other people. Maybe they are very aggressive, or maybe they miss a lot of social cues, or maybe they see the social cues but but choose not to abide by them. So they they they. Um, the reciprocity we expect of people when we are kind to them, that they'll be kind to us. Maybe that fails or they do. Maybe they're overtly kind, overly kind and, and, you know, something about them is atypical. And I wonder if it would be even stranger if the people who set out to do very ambitious big things were in every way completely typical except that. <laughs> I guess that makes sense, John. Well, no, I mean, I think that there is something to be said about um, that there are when people are ambitious or when people uh, are driven, uh, sometimes uh, the personality quirks that might otherwise not be uh, noticed get sort of accentuated. Um, I, and I think the thing is is also, um, it's, uh, again, if you want a particular type of reward in the world, often that particular type of reward will also uh, be easiest to get if you have a particular type of, of personality. The sort of person who uh, is a trader of stocks or, uh, you know, or who is super interested in finance um, is someone who's going to be interested in numbers and trends and uh, other things and, and not necessarily uh, uh, not necessarily things that are uh, commensurate to empathy because the job mm-hmm. of, of watching those trends or translating them mathematically or having a feel where those things go um, is not necessarily commensurate with being someone who is paying attention to things like social cues, so on and so forth. I don't know that, I mean, I'm just pulling this out. I mean, talk with a a real sociologist for actual information. Yeah, that, that that doesn't chime around. I was with you right up until you said traders 
don't need empathy because I actually think that, you know, there are these different domains of knowledge, right? There are, right. Knowledge, there are domains of knowledge that are self-contained, like playing chess or mathematics. Right. And then there are domains of knowledge that require a lot of context to make sense of them. Right. So, you know, it's often the case that you'll get children who are very good chess players. It's very rare that you get a child who's a very good historian. Right. Right. Just the, the amount, like just there's a sh the sheer amount of time that you have to take to kind of bring in all the outside detail. Right. And being a traitor requires this kind of very elaborate game theory of like if i signal this way that person will think i mean this and they'll do that and it requires a, at least the ability to project the motives and responses of other people right but i think that that's separate than than for example say empathy or maybe right? sympathy and empathy are where we're getting t tangled up here. right but i mean mm -hmm. i mean I, I get exactly what you're saying and i agree with that um because you have to know basically as they they would say you have to know you know why the frog jumps the way that it jumps mm -hmm. but a lot of that is also just going to be a numbers game you know mm. um, rather than saying on an individual level okay. it's like like you can understand general trends about where people are going uh, or right. where capital is going and all that sort of stuff and still be flummoxed about why your girlfriend or boyfriend uh, is angry with you right at the moment. Sure. No, I hear you on that. And actually, so uh, I remember we were on a panel at this conference that we're going to this weekend at, at, <laughs> at, at PenguinCon years and years ago. And um, I think we were. it was a panel about arguing on the internet or trolls or something. Right. And I pointed out that you have this like uh, limbic superpower <laughs> <laughs> of, of being able to be uh, to 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 just to let um, gross insult kind of go, roll off your back. Sure. Uh, and um, I will confess here before the audience that I am someone who often those barbs strike home, even though I know they shouldn't, and even though I sure you, know, you consider the source and all the rest of it. And I'm I'm quite envious actually of your ability to keep a cool head. Mm -hmm. When in a fight. So I get into fights. I often win fights. I'm, I'm a, a struggler by nature. I do activist work. Sure. But I never, I am never not upset when people are upset with me. Right. I just, you know, press on. Whereas it, it feels like you genuinely are able to keep the perspective that keeps you from letting that stuff get to you. I'm really impressed by it. Well, thank you. I mean, for me, it's a, it's a number of, of different things. One, you know, to come flat out with it, part of it is ego. Right. Mm -hmm. Where, you know, I, I have the ability to take in a lot of uh, criticism and just not let it ha let affect me. The other thing is, is that um, opposite of that, I think, in many ways, I am mindful of my circumstances, mm -hmm. not just in the sense of at that particular moment, you know, dealing with, you know, an anonymous troll online or something like that. But in the larger context, I know that I am a lucky, happy, satisfied person. Mm -hmm. um, and at the end of the day. Um, I will turn off the internet and go and spend time with my lovely wife and my beautiful child and my amusing pets and everything will be fine. Yeah. Um, but the other thing about it, I think, is quite frankly, there's also some part of me um, that just doesn't ratchet up that way. I, I the way that I, I suggest I say it to people and 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 it's vaguely offensive I suspect um, is that I believe I'm three percent sociopath, mm -hmm. uh, which means that um, it's hard to insult me because when you insult me, one of the things I'm going doing is going. You know, that's not really a good insult. I mean, you could have insulted me so much better. Cyrano, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, could you put a little more effort into it? Give it a little more oomph. Um, but the, the flip side of that is also, for example, occasionally people will try to guilt me or people will mm. try to, you know, impress me in one way or the other. Um, and that 3% sociopath, whatever it is, um, makes that a slightly higher bar to get over.
Mm. Um, so, and I think that that's, that's an aspect, which means going back to your original question, I have, without the mindfulness um, that I was talking about, um, a high potential to be an asshole, um, to be one of those people who other people would otherwise avoid. Um, but that mindfulness and the understanding um, that, you, you know, uh, when you when I engage that way, I have the, you know, the ability to, you know, become that jerk, to, you know, be the person who always has to have the last word and to actually physically rein that out mm. and mentally rein that in. Um, it makes a difference. Also, you know, at this age, I'm 48 years old. I don't want to have, I don't, I, it's, it's hard to shake me anymore. Huh. It's, I mean, it's quite a winning combination, right? This, this kind Ooh, of youngness. limbic coolness uh-huh. and the, the, um, and, and at the same time, this, this, uh, sense of like shared destiny, you know, I'm very, I admire a lot your, your policy that you won't speak in an event that doesn't have an harassment, uh, an harassment policy. Yeah. And, you know, as a 48 year old dude, the likelihood that a harassment policy will protect you is pretty slim, right? right, this, right. Is about, this is about empathy and, and shared destiny with other people. Right, right. No, and I think that that's the thing is uh, you do have to recognize that there's more of the world out there um, than just you. And and part of that empathy obviously comes by, you know, having a partner in life or having a child and all mm, or that sure. sort of, But that's also it comes amazingly with... Amazingly helpful. Yeah, oh. but it also comes, quite frankly, from having peers having people that you care for and and understanding that your peer group is not uh, the people who look and act uh, exactly like you um, but have you know another sort of uh, another sort of kinship um, and to see any member of that kinship um, even whether you, but even when that kinship extends to people that you don't know uh, being uh, harassed or being uh, ignored or being uh, uh, sort of pushed aside lightly, um, sort of you go, well, this is where I have the ability to affect change and and I want to do it. And these things should not be cookie-bearing statements. You don't do it because you want to get credit for them. Right. Mm. You do them because you think that they're right. And, you know, and I get, like I said, I mean, part of the other reason that, I, that I'm good at it is because I get so much of it. Like I, I am the appointed whipping boy for like entire scads of people. Um, and because of that, um, and again, I think it's partly because of my you, what, what you describe as my limbic system, but also because I am, you know, straight, white, well-off dude. Um, the, they're all pointing uphill, so right. gravity works against them. Um, and mm-hmm. and every moment that they spend coming at me is a moment that they're not going after anybody else, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Now, gents, both of these books, I think, really do the work of science fiction. And if you want to look at what the work of science fiction is, I don't think it's uh, predicting the future. I think in general, most science fiction, most science fiction writers are writing to about things they absolutely do not want to have happen, <laughs> or at least they want to throw a rock in that that path. So, talk about how your books throw rocks in the past of the future. I don't think that Corey's throws rocks in the past. I think what Corey's is 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 remediating a path of where rocks have been thrown. <laughs> yeah, it's about, I think that I'm, I'm shooting for uh, a, a um, graceful failure mode, mm. right? That, that utopia is not a society that works well. If that were the case, then, you know, the subprime lending era would have been a great, would have been utopian. 
a, a utopia is a society that fails gracefully. And the problem with subprime lending was that when it all came to a head, until, <laughs> you know, climate denial works great Up in, until, the, until you are washed away to sea, right? And so th- th- um, for me, this is about uh, um, the idea that we can weather the storms, right? Mm. That's an optimistic idea. Not that there will be no storms. That there will be no storms is a ridiculous idea. Right. But that we can weather them, I think, is an optimistic one. And, you know, John, I, I, I think that with collapsing empire... You know, I think that you're you're saying something extremely smart uh, and um, and very insightful about what ruling elites do when when the shit hits the fan. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, there's you're always going to have you're going to have some people who feel that it is their duty to to get as many people on the boat as possible, um, you know, to save them. There are going to be some people who are like, there's only enough room on this boat for me and my few push, push, push. And then there are some people who are going, well, things are going to end, but I'm going to do everything I can to own the damn boat that everybody gets onto. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, in the collapsing empire, um, you know, we are seeing a little of each of that uh, as as it, as it's going down. Um, and one of the things that, you know, people have noticed uh, about these two books, are they were written at different times with different intentions, all that sort of stuff. Um, but they, in many ways, um, kind of show a complementary uh, 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 picture of what happens when things start to go bad. Um, do people, you know, uh, at the top start, you know, believing that everybody is going to, you know, that only a few people will be saved and they're going to be damn sure that they're them. Or, in, in the case of, of Corey's book, are they going to come together and save as many people as possible? With, the, with you know, the, the problem of the super elites who are convinced that they're coming for them next, just <laughs> preemptively striking against them, you know, the, 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 um, the phenomenon at the, uh, in, uh, after the Titanic sank, Titanic sank of um, people refusing to let uh, uh, the floaters in the lifeboats because they thought that if they let one person over the gunnels that they'd be overwhelmed. And so you had half the lifeboats empty as people drowned all around them. Right. The new book by Cory Doctorow is Walkaway. The new book by John Scalzi is The Collapsing Empire. Thank you for joining me, gentlemen. This has been fascinating. Thank Thank you. you. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.